Hey there, I'm Jeremy with Good Beer Matters. First, thank you for listening to the Good Beer Matters podcast, where we explore the craft and culture of beer. Second, I want to see the beer and hospitality industries improve so we can do a better job, make more money, and so guests can have exceptional experiences. Good Beer Matters is dedicated to the pros and enthusiasts in the beer industry because we are the ones who will make it better. To that end, I want to invite you to subscribe to my monthly newsletter where I share perspectives on beer, styles, pairing, and some practical beer education. Go to goodbeermatters.net to subscribe. My name is Jeremy, and this is Good Beer Matters. So I like to introduce people to the whole world of beer and the world of flavour. You get a little boost of confidence when you can pick differences between something based on taste. When I describe my job to people, people just say, oh, you've got a fun job. (laughs) Why does beer flavor matter so much? I mean, as long as it tastes good, what else is important? Can we actually get a sense of place through flavor? My next guest seems to think so and is here to share this and Australian culture through the flavor of beer. We find great experiences at the intersection of craft and culture. These are the stories of us of great food and the beer that brings it all together. For the craft and culture of beer, this is episode 134 of Good Beer Matters with certified Cicerone and sensory analyst, Bryony Leibach. Well, welcome back to the podcast. In this next episode, we are quite literally on opposite sides of the world so much so that, Bryony, it is your morning, it is my evening, uh, I'm sorry, it's your Saturday morning, it's my Friday evening. I always get a kick out of that, uh, that, uh, you know, in this day and age that we can be on opposite sides of the world and still have a, uh, a video phone call. And, and, uh, w- when I was a kid, that was the stuff of sci-fi. So it, I'm just really, I'm really glad that you're here and that we get to do it, uh, semi in person, but, uh, yes. <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Jeremy. Uh, yeah, thanks for the invitation to share my beer experiences, um, in Australia. Well, uh, and I, I shared with you, um, yeah, I think you and I have been following each other on Instagram as you know, far as I know, uh, for a little while now, and you're doing some really good work uh, down in Australia. And it, we just happened to uh, meet in Nashville at the Craft Beer Conference or Craft Brewers Conference. And the funny thing was, uh, you know, the night before it really got kicked off, I'm standing with a group of friends and having a beer and talking about, you know, one of the things I love about the beer business as you can meet someone through social media or at a conference or something like that. And the next thing you know, just because it's the beer business, you're kind of buddies to begin with. And, and I was speaking, you know, you know, I, I had you in mind uh, when I was talking about this and like literally not even two seconds later, you walked right behind me and said, well, hi. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, no, um, Nashville was an incredible experience, especially, yeah, meeting people who I, uh, had a connection with already through through things like Instagram um, and yeah, beer and what I do, beer sensory, is is quite niche. So yeah, it was really yeah. wonderful to connect with similar passionate people. <laughs> well, and, and we're definitely like minded, but we're but we're not the same. We're from all over 
the world from different, uh, you know, what, whatever you, you, you plug in the, the adjective there, but we're also different, but we're brought together through the spear thing. And as I shared with you and other guests that my theory about all of this is because of that beer really is an international culture. But when we go home to our respective uh, homes and subcultures and just the way that we do things, it becomes very individualized. And that's why I, uh, you know, I wanted to talk to you and everyone else this season. I, I'm just so fascinated by this idea. But before we get any further, Bryony, will you please introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Certainly. Uh, my name is Bryony Liebig. I live in Adelaide, South Australia. I am a sensory analyst and I've, um, I'm running a business called Flavor Logic. So it's Flavor Logic is running um, sensory consulting for food and beverage. Um, and since my experience in the beer industry, I'm doing also beer education and uh, sensory or taste, taste training for a variety of people from consumers to industry. And, and so what is your, your training that, that makes you a sensory analyst? So sensory analyst, um, yeah, passionate about food, drink, everything. Um, I discovered sensory science a few years ago. Uh, I was working um, in the wine industry. I actually grew up in the wine industry in a famous wine region called Barossa Valley. So I was lucky to be surrounded by um, wine culture, good food, um, agriculture, vineyards. So, yeah, my family have taught me to appreciate um, good food, good drink and alcohol in moderation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people from growing up in the wine industry, I, I fell into the wine world and uh, there is a, um, there's a group in Adelaide who do um, a lot of wine research and there was a position for a sensory analyst, um, and I was trained on the job. <laughs> uh, there's not many places to study um, sensory sensory evaluation, uh, so I was lucky to be trained on the job with expert wine tasters. And part of that job was training lots of other people to work as a group to to measure measure flavors and mouthfeel and aromas of of wine for research projects. Um, how does that? Turn into beer, you might be asking. Yeah, that's my next question. Is you, yes. you sound like you have this dream job in wine? How did yep. you end up at the Brewers' in Conference in Nashville? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I just wanted a taste of um, you know, like a fast-moving industry industry role. Uh, so I put some feelers out, and um, yeah, my first connection was with. Uh, the second largest beer company um, called Lion, and they needed a sensory person in Adelaide. Um, I got the job on the spot, uh, and yeah, since then I um, managed a sensory program at a brewery that had um, 100 staff, um, made millions of litres of beer, and yeah, taught myself how to appreciate beer from a wine drinker's um, background. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So uh, the whole idea of sensory, uh, I find interesting, uh, and I also find it equally confounding as well, because, uh, you know, there's the whole idea of data versus anecdote. There's a subjective versus objective. There's the, this is what we can measure, and this is what, you know, you know people feel and tell me about. We seem to put so much of our uh, uh, reliance on data. Uh, 
and we seem to d- discredit the idea of uh, this is what they told me. I, well, I, I don't care what they told me. I want the hard facts. I want the numbers. Yet when we go to the doctor, the doctor says, tell me where it hurts. And I'll say it hurts right here and say, how much does it hurt on a scale of one to 10? Well, it's an eight. Well, tell me what it feels like. Is it pressure? Is it sharp? So there's still that um, anecdote, there, uh, anecdotal evidence along with the, we're going to measure your blood pressure and your heart rate and all that stuff. When it comes to sensory, it seems like it's the same thing. We want numbers. We want facts. We want data. Yet this is what we are experiencing through our senses. Uh, unpack that for me from your uh, sensory analyst point of view. Uh, in the, if we want to stick with the beer world, um, a lot of beer sensory, um, you know, the, the beer industry is a very fast paced, fast paced industry. So the sensory side of beer is more about um, getting consistent, uh, a true to brand kind of, kind of, um, yeah. Putting, putting numbers to it does help because the more you record, the more you can um, track your batches, um, you can come back, make improvements. Uh, so, so yeah, numbers numbers are good, uh, but in beer you can, yeah, you can train, you can train people to come up with a few, um, you know, keep, keep the descriptors simple, keep them consistent, um, keep, um, keep serving the products in a similar way and people get used to tasting, um, tasting, using a similar tasting technique. Um, the data, the data builds up over, over a longer period of time. So a lot of people might get put off, um, you know, setting up a sensory program from scratch, but it, um, over time, the data really builds and it becomes way more useful. And once, once a person is trained, um, to recognize the key, the key sensory properties of beer, um, it is much getting two or three people or five people together is a quicker is a quicker measure than than using you know analytics and sending a beer off for for chemistry analysis. Um, yeah, so once once people are trained, it's a quick, simple uh, measure that gives gives very good data over over a longer period of time, I think. So, so is it just one of those things where having some data, whether it's anecdotal or or yes. measurable, <laughs> the, having something to start with is a great way to start? Yes, yes. And the good right. thing about sensory, um, you know, a brewery is already making the beer, a brewery already has staff and people who have taste buds, and you can use anybody in the brewery. <laughs> um, the hardest thing for doing sensory training and getting into breweries is the um, the time, getting people to stop for an hour, two hours and getting people off the floor. That's, yeah. that's tricky. <laughs> that, that, that sounds like a culture problem yeah. uh, and a priority <laughs> problem. Yep. 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 <clears throat> uh, so tell us more about, uh, your, your, uh, business flavor logic. Uh, you know, you're, you're doing sensory, you're educating consumers, you're, uh, consulting for breweries and more, uh, what all exactly are you doing there and, and, and who needs your services? Yeah, sure. So, um, while I was working at, um, this large brewery, I was, you know, I was trained teaching myself about beer, training myself on the job. Uh, the beer, the brewery also made uh, beer and cider and um, RTD spirits like like a rum and cola. So mm-hmm. all of those products um, I became quite familiar. 
And while I was doing the um, the brewery work, I just I found out about the Cicerone program, and I think that's what inspired my um, desire to to focus Flavor Logic on kind of education in beer. And I think because I grew up in a in a wine in a wine culture region, we are surrounded by a lot more wine culture. People do cellar door visits. Um, there's a lot of winery tours around. A lot of food and wine festivals. There's not so much happening for beer, uh, so I thought I could fill a little niche there. Help. Um, I'm doing some collaborations with local breweries who, you know, Saturday afternoon I come along. We do some beer and food pairing. I share tips on tasting beer. Um, you know, people love exercises like guess the aroma. I've got aromas isolated in jars. Um, <laughs> You know, which is you, different, which is that we used to play that game in college with a room full of guys, but it really was a completely different <laughs> game. Yes. <laughs> no, people, you know, you can teach people to taste and smell. I think teaching smelling is one of the best um, mm. best tips for becoming a better taster. Yeah, big yeah, thing for the everyone, buck there. Um, everyone who want, um, people who love wine, want to learn about beer, people who love beer. Um, just want to learn more about beer and taste different styles um, or get introduced to classic styles. Um, I think Australian beer trends are following a similar pattern to America with, um, you know, a lot of pale ales, IPAs, hazies. Um, so we follow those similar trends and um, only a few a few breweries are making some European, German, Belgian and German classics. So I like to introduce people to the whole world of beer and the world of flavour. Um, and when it comes to industry work, um, breweries want to train up their tasters. Um, they want to know who's sensitive to things like diacetyl. Um, flavour recognition training is is excellent for breweries. Um, so a lot of breweries don't have the small to medium sized breweries don't have um, you know dedicated lab or a quality person or something like that. So I can I can come in and do regular training, um, yeah. And I like to ask for them to. Um, a lot of people don't taste their beers once they're packaged. You know, <laughs> they, someone who works at a brewery gets to taste fresh beer all the time. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, a lot of you know. We know how beer changes with time, so I like to test people by blind tasting, you know, maybe a fresh beer next to a three-month-old beer or a six-month-old beer, things like that. Well, and I want to ask you, I mean, you're, you're trying to provide the service not only for consumers, but, uh, you know, trying to help train the, the staff that work in these breweries. And, and, and frankly, I've been trying to bang that drum myself uh, here in the U.S. where in the Northwest where I live. And, and I've had interest, uh, but not everyone's committed to that. Uh, everyone I talk to about this idea of we need to educate our staff better, everyone says, yes, that's a great idea, but it's, it, it's slow to actually be put into action. What, what is your experience? How well is your, uh, is your uh, you know, education received? Hey there, it's me, Jeremy again. I forgot to mention that I also have a podcast with my dear friend, the incredible Julia Hers. Together, we've created the Sense of Beer Style podcast. It's the essential training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. 
We created prepisodes to cover foundational beer knowledge, as well as style casts to walk you through each category of the 2021 BJCP Beer Style Guidelines. If you work with beer as part of your job, then subscribe and listen so you can become an authority. Go to senseofbeerstyle.com to subscribe. Yes, I find the same the same issue. Yep, yep. Um, and another issue, like I said, breweries, yeah, fast-paced. People might work on different shifts, uh, bar staff, front of house staff are working different days. Yeah, it would be nice to you know, have like a stop, a stop for quality day or I don't know, something like that where you get a couple hours, everybody can taste together because, yeah, I find the best, um, the best learnings are in group, group tastings. So, yeah, I keep, keep trying myself. Um, yeah. But, but are you getting pushback? Are, are you getting like I'm seeing where people think, oh, that's a great idea, but they don't show up. They don't pay for it. Are you seeing the same? Um. It it depends on the on the brewery how busy they are, but I think yeah, yeah they all they all want it, but I think coordinating the time is is tricky, but yeah, yeah. it's it's happening, okay. it's happening. Um, it's often so, hard. It's hardest to get the front of house staff, unfortunately. You know, yeah, have a lot of you have more you know breweries and production staff. You know, they all they all want to want to chip in, but yeah, front of house, but. Um, and then also it can help, um, you know, when it comes to a, a product profile, we can help isolate the key the key flavors. And you know, I might just work with a brewer to help prepare those things. If you know, and train someone else in the brewery to train the front of house staff. You know, yeah. as long as they have well, like a clear, a clear, you know, one pager per beer, help help improve the customer service. <laughs> Well, and I've I've worked front of house, you know, uh, off and on throughout my career, and so I, I kind of have a passion for the whole front of house. You know, they're they're the ones that you should know more about your product, whatever business you're in, could be cars, boats, you know, widgets or beer. You should know more about your product than your average customer. But yet, when we get into tap rooms and restaurants and breweries, the front of house, it, it you know, it, it doesn't translate as well as it should and that that's really what i've been trying to tackle but it's you know a long slow slog the question i have for you though is why is this so important why how can this actually help these bars restaurants tap rooms do a better job yes uh so yeah we're both passionate about beer education <laughs> um so yeah the more people know about something the more people want to know uh so yeah they will yeah, and if people say they don't like a beer, you know, I think a good answer is you just haven't found the one you like yet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, coming from the world of wine, the world of beer is just phenomenal. Every basic taste is covered, every flavour. Brewers have flexibility to experiment with different ingredients. Um, so, yeah, so opening customers' eyes or, or potential customers, you know, introducing um, you know, I enjoy if if a lot of my friends drink wine, there's some there's some amazing beers that are, you know, like a Flanders red, you know, it's like a Pinot Noir like wine and um mm-hmm. fresh fruity sours can and get them over the edge. Even, you know, my mum has never drunk beer, but um since I've been in the industry, she's even found a few things like an oat cream mango IPA that <laughs> that she likes. 
So, yeah, there's a beer for everybody. Um, you just need to have the confidence or the encouragement to, to try things. So that's why I like to get involved with um, organising little events at breweries, um, helping with beer education, I've written a little a little beer course, beer basics. It just goes for it's a short course where I introduce different styles, um, similar to a cicerone kind of kind of experience. Uh, so yeah, the more the more people know, the more people want to know, the more beer they will buy, <laughs> the more questions they will ask, and it's good for everybody. Well, and and I I buy into that uh, completely. I, I I'm I'm one of the converted, but the question that I hear. And, and I think it's a valid question is, great, we like to learn, we want to learn, but at some point, someone has to ask the question, well, how does that help us make money? As a server, as a bartender, as a manager, as a restaurant, pub, brewery owner, how do we make more money through better education? Well, um, I think it helps... Well, breweries might um, there could be a improve improving quality. I think is a big one. You know, the more pe- the more consumers know about you know a good beer, a bad beer, a fresh beer, mm-hmm. um, a good pour, you know, good lacing on a glass. Um, you know, I think it helps it helps everyone push their boundaries and everyone improves together. Um, that's one aspect. But how does that make more money? It is a tricky question. <laughs> Um, and, and, yeah. and, you know, I think it's a fair question because yes. at some point it's like, if I own a bar, it's like, yeah, I think that's a great idea, but if I'm going to pay you X amount of dollars, what's the ROI on better education? So I think trying to come up with answers and, and I'll, I'll, I'll prime the pump a little bit too, but I, I think it's for, mm-hmm. for me, the better my staff knows the beer, the better they can guide their their uh guests yes on an experience and the more uh good experiences my guests have then they're likely to come back next week and bring friends yeah uh, and, and i, think, yeah, and I just thought of another another small way um you know when i i kick-started flavor logic to focus on more beer services two years ago mm-hmm. i was i started doing consumer workshop a boost your beer tasting skills workshop at my local bar and i was amazed most of the people who came along hadn't been to this particular bar um, so i was introducing them to a, a good craft beer bar they they bought extra drinks before and after the workshop so then they bought a meal. So in that way, having having these little extra events can can bring more people in, brings yeah. more exposure to the venues. Um, and, yeah, I, I introduced people in those workshops to beer styles they thought they didn't like and then they discovered they did like, you know, some sours or um, someone who's sensitive to bitterness did like, um, you know, a session IPA or something like that. So, yeah. yeah. In that way, I think you can, you know, if there's more people doing things like this and getting people out, um, you know, since since the pandemic, everyone everyone's keen to get out and socialize a lot more. So I think we should take advantage of that. Yeah. It, well, and, and again, post pandemic, you know, I don't I don't want to go out all the time because, it, well, in this current state, you know, we're dealing with a kind of a global inflation uh, still. Mm. Uh, so 
to go out and eat, it, it's going to cost a lot of money. So, you know, if, or a lot more than it used to. So if we're going to go out, then it better be, it better be good, better be worth it. That's right. And I've, That's right. And, and we've That's gone out to places are. where yeah. we all improve well, quality together. Yeah. Well, improve the quality. And, and if I go, if I go to a restaurant and I think I could have cooked better food at home, I get annoyed. But yes. when I when I go to a place that just rocks my world in every way, I I do not remember how much I paid for that meal. That's right. And it was expensive, but I have no clue. I'm just mesmerized by the experience. And yes, and I think and you'll tell your friends or share it on socials. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And, absolutely. And then word word spreads. Yep, absolutely. Um, uh, so so creating this, you know. Tr- Giving this uh, sensory education to to staff, uh, do you think that translates over to guests and customers? Do you think? Do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Care? Um, I mean, I, I think so. And then, yeah, I just think giving giving people an opportunity to, yeah, I like doing blind tastings, so yeah, people get to you know, you get a little boost of confidence when you can pick pick differences between something based on taste or you know you can tell um tell yeah have information to tell customers you know how you know it's like oh yeah it is difficult to decide on a style you know maybe we can they'll have better vocabulary to help to help um guide a customer into a style they like um, or just explain the selection of of taps that is on offer um yeah having having the words to describe things and the confidence is is all part of it um and 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 so i'm so glad i mean here you and i are both beer educators we're talking about why people need to hire us so <laughs> if you're listening <laughs> hire us uh yes. in different parts of the world because we you know uh, like we talked about before i may not have the data that will prove that you will make more money with this education but we have the anecdotal evidence that you can make more money and, and my my thing is if if i can teach just one server per day to uh, have more knowledge and guide their guests to a better experience mm-hmm. uh, and, and upsell that instead of just how about another beer how about how about a creme brulee with this beer they, mm-hmm. they're amazing and you know you can make an extra 50 to 100 dollars per per day just mm-hmm. for that one server and if mm-hmm. you expand that down an entire year that's 15 to thirty thousand dollars more in revenue and so just yeah. having that education can lead to that and that's that's really what i want to get to with this but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you've got yeah. your data there. <laughs> yeah, it's the data. It's just yeah. well, it's, it's data and dollars. So now everyone's paying attention. <laughs> right? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so let, let's talk more about uh, Australia. Uh, in a, a previous guest, uh, nowhere near Australia, actually, uh, uh, in the Southeast Asia, was just talking. He's he's a world traveler, and and, and he was talking about how that. Uh, and I forget his quote, but he said something to the effect of that, that beer drinkers in Australia have way more fun. <laughs> and he just said that they're boisterous and, and not, not that they're whooping and hollering, you know, like, like, like a bunch yeah. of American cowboys, but, but what is the Australian beer culture like? <laughs> um, I was thinking of fun in terms of, you know, a lot of our brewers like to experiment. We've got, you know, to kind of break the rules um, lots of fun flavors going on. Uh, yes, yes, certainly. Beer. When I describe my job to people, 
people just say, oh, you've got a fun job. <laughs> so it, um, yeah, certainly a strong, a strong culture. And I think in the last, in the last five to seven years, we've got a big, a bigger boom in the small to medium sized breweries. Um, there's a craft brewery trail, multiple craft brewery trails around um, every capital city. Uh, and then the, a brewery tour kind of service is is more and more common. But yeah, we don't have the the huge population. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of the the scene is you know scaled back. Um, I have noticed just in recent years, craft breweries, um, you know, people into craft beer don't go to pubs as much. They'll go to their local tap room, which is great. And so local tap rooms are a bit, a bit more like. Um, you know, they have a little bit more of a pub type atmosphere. You know, there's, um, you know, there's always trivia nights. Um, every night of the week, they try to have something different. Um, but you might, you might be able to see the local footy game, or um, yeah, people get encouraged to go out a few drinks before before a game. Beer is still, it is still a stereotypically associated with a bit of blokey sporty culture i have to admit yeah. that might be the world over <laughs> um and, and frankly yeah, I, I don't, i'm not i'm not certain that's a bad thing <laughs> okay um so yeah, and in terms of you know traditional pub and beer you know if, if we're separating a kind of craft beer craft beer is um you know, especially I think it's a lot, it's very welcoming. Uh, what I love about breweries is they are, they're family friendly. So you can see a lot of people going out for family meals. Um, you know, you, you don't see that so much in, in the wine industry um, or pubs so much, you know, pubs have got, uh, well, most of Australian cities, uh, pubs have got, you know, pokey gambling rooms. Um, so you're going to a an independent small brewery is um, is where heaps of people hang out. Um, yeah, you go on a weekend and you'll see people having birthday parties and gatherings and yeah, this industry networking well, nights happening at breweries. It's all it's all good. Well, and I think when we were messaging back and forth, you you talked about mm -hmm. uh, you know when you left Nashville, you traveled to a few other places before yes. heading back home to Australia. And and uh, and I, I forget your comment, but you alluded to uh, discovering all the all the the differences about about the, these places, the beers and the and the culture there, and how it's so different from back home. Uh, tell tell us more about that. Yeah, um, no, I had really yeah all the breweries I visited, um, a, a few in Nashville, a few in Asheville. And also um, Columbia, <laughs> South, South Carolina. Um, I was impressed. Actually, really well-educated staff. I had good customer experiences. Um, and when I walked into a place I didn't know anything about, um, I started asking the same question: "What are you known for?" And then that way, I helped. Um, it helped me choose. All right. Well, they've said IPA. I better get an IPA on my tasting paddle, um, tasting flight. Uh, but, yeah, the experience is very good. I think generally breweries are on a, a bit larger scale in America. They were bigger bigger tap rooms. You've got a lot of mm. – most bars have more more tap options. Um, well, we so Americans like bigger, better. You know, just <laughs> everything's got to be huge. It's just yep, got to be huge. Yep. 
Yeah. Um, what else was there? The uh, serving sizes were a bit bigger generally too for everything. Um, I learned to ask for a half pour <laughs> so I could taste a few more taste a few more yeah. beers. Um, but yeah, it was the the actual design of the rooms was was similar. Um, you know, somewhere like a, you know a warehouse type feel, and so, you know there's, there's different different ways people are designing their tap rooms, but most of them had. Um, yeah, similar types of things to ones in Australia. I think more merchandising is is done well in America, and I noticed mm. that at the Craft Brewers Conference, you know, huge range of of merchandise and stickers and all these different little things that Australian breweries don't do as much, um, or they sell black t-shirts or <laughs> yeah, so, so a lot, it, lot more colourful variety and bigger everything. <laughs> So, so is that to say that you know, and, and uh, you know, conversely, the Australia is just you know smaller tap rooms, smaller breweries, and yeah. it's just a shirt that says "Brewery from Adelaide" or something like that. Is that? <laughs> is that is yeah, that yeah. Well, you know, not so many colours to choose from. The t-shirt ranges, or you know, ten types of caps, or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and from your experience, uh, I, I guess I'm 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 not going to ask a data question. I'm going to ask a personal choice question, but. Is it better to have more T-shirts, more swag with different colors, or is it better just to have a couple different options? What's what well, serves consumers better? I, in, yeah, in my travels in America, I actually did get a little bit of um, choice, but yeah, choice overload. I think you've so mm. many flavors, so much of everything. It was it was a bit overwhelming. Um, I kind of do think. A little, you know, a more carefully curated selection will is easier for a customer to choose from. Um, I, yeah, that, that was just a general statement about things in America. Yeah. Yeah. You know, lots of lots of flavors of everything. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it is that just the idea of if you offer if you highlight everything, then you highlight nothing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've listened. I've listened to some interesting podcasts about um, you know the psychology of choice, um, and yeah, yeah, when you are given less options, it it's yeah easier psychologically. Yep, yep. So yeah, not sure how to yeah, so yeah that, how to change that, but well, that that would be an, an interesting. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. So um, and and you may not be aware of this, but one of the one of the cultural phenomenons uh, from um, from the south, southwestern part of the U.S., California in particular, uh, is the In-N-Out Burger. Right? You know, we we love our burgers, we love our fast food. This is a fast food chain that basically serves. Uh, you can have a, a burger with cheese, or a, bur a double burger with cheese, or a burger with no burger with cheese. And you know, and you <laughs> basically have just like one option with a couple of variations, and, and it's with or without fries. That's your choice. Mm -hmm. uh, and 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 everyone just goes crazy, or I mean, the lines are all the way around because you know they make great fries. Are you aware in and out the whole thing? I, yeah, so. I heard of it, and unfortunately, I didn't get to try it. But yes, um, well, and anyone, no, I think that if anyone's living under yeah. well, if anyone's living yeah. under a rock, they and they don't know about in and out. That's just one of those things where you mm -hmm. you have limited choices, and we love it. That's just kind of going back to your your comment about maybe too much choice. Uh, causes mm. a problem. Yeah, I just noticed that as a 
just as a consumer in general. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I mean, I wanted, I wanted, as a sensory analyst, I wanted to try lots of things, yeah. but uh, yeah, I just didn't want to, I was overwhelmed. <laughs> Uh, it will, but that's part of the experience. That's part of the data that we need to add to this whole conversation too, is, yes. um, yeah. is, you know, cause you know, if, if you're trying to, uh, sense quality in beer, you know, all that is leading toward a good customer experience. So all of this data comes into play, not mm -hmm. just this subset of diacetyl or, or no diacetyl, you know, it's, it's all the stuff that we need to consider. Um, but but yeah. I want to hear more about Australia. If I were to uh, head to Australia in Adelaide mm -hmm. and meet you uh, for a beer next week, we sit down, we have our beer. What would you recommend I drink? And and if I were to ask you, tell me every tell me about Australian culture as it's you know as it's different from any other culture, but but using the beer as the center point of that. What, what would you tell me? Sure, sure. Yeah. So. Um... Australia has, yeah, probably take you to a a great local pub, a pub that hasn't changed um, since I went to uni. Uh, they've always served um, classic Australian beer, like uh, especially South Australian beer, like Cooper's. And mm -hmm. when I went to a Total Wine in America, Cooper's beer was the only Australian beer I actually saw on the shelf. Yep. <laughs> um, and I know a lot of home brewers in America have probably used a Cooper's kit once or twice. Yeah. So, um, yep, definitely have a fresh pint of Cooper's ale at at a good pub, uh, and then go to a few craft breweries. Um, they're not not so in walking distance, but yeah, quick quick drive around the suburbs. You'd get get um, three or four done in a day. Um, the beer styles would be. Uh, they would always have a American style pale ale, American style IPA. Um, there's a couple of breweries doing um, only doing classic uh, European styles. Uh, one one brewery is doing classic European styles. Um, it's a bit of a, a newer niche in the last few years. Uh, breweries will always have a hazy on tap. Uh, craft lagers are getting more and more common. And I think that's um, Australian beer history has got a history of, you know, mainstream big lager brands, um, you know, brands like 4X, Victoria Bitter, they're available in every pub across the country. And, yeah, similar similar to other countries like America, yeah. home brewers, craft, craft breweries, they want, they want more flavour in their beers. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've got all of that. Um, but yeah, the breweries would be um, yeah on a on a weekend. They'd be bustling families. Um, they might have some of them have cornhole. Some of them have um, games, lawn games. Um, a lot of them got pinball machines too. <laughs> so it's yeah. But you know, instead of you know a choice of ten or twelve of something, we'll have you know three or four of something. Well, um, and the food would be similar. Burgers, pizzas, that kind of thing. Well, let me ask you more about Australian beer styles. And of course, you know, I, I'm I'm familiar with uh, Coopers. I've had uh, their export stout, and I've had, and of course, the 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 Australian sparkling ale is one of the beer styles. Well, the only yes. beer style that's really acknowledged as being uniquely Australian. It's it's light. It's you know very 
carbonate and sparkly and yeast driven and full of flavor and mm-hmm. and refreshing and delicious. Are there other uniquely Australian beer styles or beer variations that are not yet part of the beer styles, but are emerging in uh, beer styles that we need to be aware of? Um, I think the, as um, in my experience in beer judging, we have um, Australian lager category that's different to um, German style, Czech style. Uh, we have yeah Australian lager, so that covers yeah, the Australian beers that get entered in Australian beer awards. Uh, they are yeah they're fairly they're very light, crisp, easy to drink. Um, I think a little bit more flavoursome than American light lager. Uh, some of them have got some nice some nice estuary notes, maybe a bit like apple. So Australian lager, I think. Um, we've got an amazing hop scene, hop growing culture, um, Australia, New Zealand, a lot of American brewers like to use, mm-hmm. use those hops and they kind of have, uh, there's different names for it. I've heard Australasian pale or kind of a new world, yeah. <laughs> new world style yeah. hop, um, hop driven pales. Um, uh, apparently all the other names so, were taken when so they yeah, decided they're to the call main ones. Uh, we don't those hops new world. Yeah. <laughs> The yeah, the old old beer traditions are mostly from like English and Irish heritage. You know, the first mm. the first colonists. <laughs> so so yeah, it's you yeah. know English ales have um, you know the background of Cooper's ales. We've always had them, and then we've had the the mainstream lagers, and yeah, now we have the world of craft flavour. Um, and yeah, New Zealand and Australian hops are really. Um, yeah, beautiful, beautiful flavors ranging, you know, stone fruit, tropical, all kinds of citrus. Um, yeah, lovely beers. So if you were to predict uh, 10, 15, 20 years from now, uh, what do you expect we'd see coming out of Australia? Uh, obviously about beer. Yeah, I think um, probably, well, we'll see more beer education, more educated stuff. <laughs> yeah, we will. I think. Pubs will be more. Um, we'll hopefully get some more gastro pubs. You know where food is as much a focus as the drinks. Uh, smaller breweries in more regional areas. I think that that will spread. Um, you know, I don't. The cities aren't necessarily saturated. There's 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 room for breweries in in different pockets of different suburbs. But, but what about beer styles? Do you do you predict a, any any beer styles coming out in the next decade um, or two? Beer styles, well, the a growing number of beers that keep getting entered in kind of specialty experimental. I I'm not sure if there's a particular trend. Um, we do like coffee just just recently this winter here i've noticed um a, a burst of, of coffee flavored stouts or vienna coffee lagers um so australians love their coffee <laughs> um particular fruits there might be some native ingredients but they're not they're not easy to get hold of it'd be hard to mm. make commercially but yeah you know, something like lemon myrtle um you know people using like the gin culture here, people using a lot of Australian native ingredients and people have made lots of beers with them, but I don't think they'll ever hit a large a large volume. 
So, so yeah, just think more smaller breweries spread out across the country, um, good education. The beer styles might turn, we might go back to some of the classics. It's, I've seen it in the last few years. Um, I know, hope so. As, I hope we go back we to the classics. Travel the world more and more, yeah. um, you know, newer brewers. Um, a lot. Uh, interestingly, a lot of breweries, in Adelaide opened during the pandemic. Um, so yeah, as they start to travel around and bring ideas back from, from Europe, that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if, uh, so I'm going to go back to that scenario. If, if I were to show up on your door next week and say, Hey, let's go have a beer. Uh, as speaking specifically to Australian culture, what would you suggest I eat, uh, with the beer that you'd serve me? Yeah. Um, so we've got amazing food, uh, particularly Australian food. Well, I prefer to have you around for a barbecue, um, you know, so I could, you know, can cook, cook some food, grab, um, we have a very multicultural, uh, background. So we got amazing, um, Asian food on our doorstep, uh, Middle Eastern. So probably... A few kangaroo snags on the barbie, <laughs> kangaroo sausages. Um, it's very Australian. So yeah, and but the kind of barbecue I'm talking about is just yeah, frying sausages and chops gotcha. on a grill. It's not. Uh, it's, not it's not the American twelve hour that, slow. That sounds great. Not that kind of slow. Well, I, I mean, we do have breweries that are doing that, of course. Um, but yeah, the classic Australian barbecue is just you know, fried onions, sausages, bread. Um, something like a coleslaw and a potato salad. That's a summer barbecue. Um, yeah, I wish wish it was summer for me. <laughs> I, well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, and I guess, and this is just my naivete, I, I didn't realize that you guys actually ate kangaroos. I thought that was, um, you know, yes. too irreverent. I, you know, I guess <laughs> if I were to extrapolate, it'd be like, uh, you know, are, eating there's polito, a lot around. which we don't do. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people might not know that, um, but it's a very lean, healthy meat, um, not much fat, and there are lots around. They, and they're um, it's sustain is a sustainable is a yeah. sustainable product. And what do they taste like? Yep. Uh, some people say is a little gamey flavor, but um, I think these days it's yeah, it's just like a lean, a lean red meat. You know, good, not much. Uh, people serve it quite often on the little bit on the rare side, um, and it goes really well with something like um, you know, a sweeter vegetable, like um, sweet potato, beetroot. Mm. That kind of it's often served with a little bit of a sweet, a sweet sauce. <laughs> okay. Or relish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, but. you know, when in Rome, do the Romans do? But when in Australia, you know. <laughs> so kangaroo burger kangaroo burger and a, steak. <laughs> uh, and a, and a <laughs> australian ipa um when it so we, we we've talked about sensory we've talked about culture we've talked about the differences and everything like that but from when you combine all of your experiences through wine beer whatever it may be how how do you what's your definition of a good beer experience and how would you put that together for for a guest if it were up to you so I think, yeah, a good beer experience is when um, the consumer is feeling is feeling welcome. 
uh, they're given good attention, uh, they might, if they are having trouble choosing, they'll be, they'll be guided into choosing something that will suit their preferences. Uh, we know we're all different and not everyone wants the latest hype beer or, or what the brewery might be known for, but um, just something they will be able to drink a whole, a whole pint of. So, yeah, attention, feeling welcome and welcome in terms of, you know, whatever your background, culture, all that kind of stuff, um, whether you've got kids, all those kinds of things. Uh, I'd like to see a range of beer styles, of course. Um, they need to be fresh and good quality. Uh, so styles from, you know, a sour, um, something hoppy, something dark, uh, something fruity, and not just beer, but uh, you need to include other other drinks you know someone in a group will drink wine or a cocktail or won't yeah. drink at all so yeah. um non-alcoholic beers are, are popular here too yeah. um and and they're available uh seltzers have been a bit slow on the trend from america but more more craft seltzers coming out so yeah range of beverages um good food of course um if if there's a chance to attend a you know beer and food pairing workshop something like that is a bonus uh, but yeah just just feeling welcome getting good attention having um, a range of styles maybe not too many <laughs> to choose from uh, and yeah as, you know beer is a social beer is a social drink so it needs to be yeah as as someone already said yeah Aussie Aussie beer drinkers like their like their beer to be fun. <laughs> Apparently. Um, yes. Uh, so other questions I have, you know, just to kind of like, you know, wind things down, but you know, we're just going to have a little bit of fun now. Uh, and, and you've listened to the podcast, so you probably know what's coming, but uh, tomorrow, Bryony, um, you, the world is voted. You get to be the queen of the beer world for an entire day. What is the first thing you'd like to change about beer in the world? Yes, um, good question. Um, well, just a quick one: all beer keeps stays as fresh as possible in however however way that can happen. Um, and then also, yeah, in the in the people who have the chance to make make good beer, you um, you know, safety is is number one, followed by closely followed by quality. So keep keep quality as a focus. Um, don't take your off the ball. Uh, yeah, just um, make better quality, not necessarily quantity. Is would be a good a good motto. <laughs> I, I I would support that motto. Um, so <laughs> at the end of your royal day, uh, your service to the world is is done, and we're going to fly you anywhere in the world, and you can have anything to uh, anything to drink and anything to eat. Where would you go, and what would you have? Yeah, there are so many options and things on my bucket list to do in beer. Uh, but as I'm sitting here on a cold winter's day, uh, probably just take me to take me to Munich in a beer garden with a big glass of fresh Hefeweizen and freshly baked pretzel. I, yeah, I've got a German German surname, German background, so yeah, can't can't take me. <laughs> It'd be awesome to go back 
go to the real real German culture. So so culture you're going to pass on the on the uh, on the. Um... Oh my gosh! What was the animal we just talked about? I'm, I'm, my. It, it's Friday at happy kangaroo. hour. Yeah, thank you. You're <laughs> going to pass on the kangaroo sausage and have a bratwurst yeah. instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sure. uh, and the other big question, of course, is obviously you're 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 putting your life, your love, your business all into the world of beer. But why does good beer matter so much to you? Oh, beer is very yeah very social friendly the people the people you meet in the beer world are the best people um yeah love love having the chance to to taste such a wide range of you know such a wide range of samples and styles I'll never never get to try them all but um yeah it doesn't hurt to try yeah <laughs> Well, for, for anyone who's curious about the work you're doing and, and well, they may not be able to take advantage of your services if they live somewhere else, but if they mm -hmm. wanted to look you up and, and find out more, where could they go? Certainly. So business is Flavor Logic, um, website, flavorlogic.com. That's flavor with a U. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Australian <laughs> spelling. Because <laughs> um, half the world yeah, misspells it, but I'm, I'm not going to say which half. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm active on Instagram uh, at, at FlavorLogic. Uh, you can send messages there or my email, taste at flavorlogic.com. Happy to answer any, talk to anyone in the beer world or answer, yeah, help people anywhere. And if anyone wants to fly you to, uh, you know, let's say sunny uh, Southern California to do some beer training, it, it, that's how they could connect with you as well, right? Of course. Of, co of course. Like, it's probably cheaper to get you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I it might need both of us. Um, uh, <laughs> last thing, you know, I had a conversation recently about, uh, you know, all these, the, the, when we think about the different generations of people who drink and you have, you know, you know, some of the older generations who, Hey, you know, back in my day, we had, you know, a pale ale and we were happy. And then you have these younger generations where, you know, I don't like beer. I want to, I want some, what, what's new, what do you have new today? What do you have new yesterday? What do you have new tomorrow? What advice do you have for people who are entering the world of alcohol that are of age and they're discovering, you know, drink beyond that, that quick buzz, that quick fix, uh, they're discovering that there might be something more to all this, uh, this beer world. What, what advice do you have for those, for those folks? Um, yeah, we see a lot of people go for kind of sweet things at the start of the alcohol drinking experience. Um, I just remind people that your taste can change. You don't have to follow the trends, follow your palate, know that, your sensitivities are different to someone else's um, and it might, you know, it, it might be due to your genetics. So, you know, just follow your palate, don't follow the trends and know that taste can change over time. Um, and if you try different things, you'll find, yeah, find things that work for you and that you like. Awesome. Uh, and last thing, is there anything you'd like to share, anything you'd like to say that we didn't quite cover? Oh, I think yeah. To, that last that last one was good. Yeah, just covering taste taste widely. Um, yeah, learn 
learn what you like and just you know why you like something perhaps think about more about what you're tasting use all of your senses in <laughs> all in of the your, world and, of, um, and take notes and record the data <laughs> yeah well only if you want to <laughs> if, or, yeah or don't or just tell a story and drink yeah. anyway uh it's it's been a joy to uh to meet you through this beer world and follow the work that you're doing and the resources you're putting out on your website and on Instagram. Uh, and it was, it was an, an awesome, wonderful surprise to meet you here, uh, in the, in the American South at a beer conference and actually get to have a beer with you. That, that's, that's my goal with everyone I get to talk to, especially in the podcast is someday I just want to sit and have a beer. And, uh, and so I, yeah. I, I can cross you off my list. We got that done. Um, <laughs> But thank you yes. for coming to the Thanks onto the podcast and sharing your your experience. Yeah, thank you. It's been a lovely chat. Yep, hopefully we'll meet again someday. Absolutely, um, over a, a, a kangaroo a burger for sure. <laughs> sure, thank you. Cheers. In his book Tasting Beer, Randy Mosher tells us, like any aspect of a consciously lived life, enjoying beer to the fullest takes education, experience, and a proper frame of mind. That's why educators like Bryony are so important. Without them, a beer is just a beer, which would be a shame because it's so much more. In the next episode, we talk to a professor and author about humanity's relationship with alcohol and why we just love to get drunk. I'm on a virtual tour of the craft and culture of beer around the globe. I put Good Beer Matters on video so I can take you along for the ride. If you know of a person, a place, or a beer story that needs to be told, let me know. Meanwhile, grab a beer, hang out with friends, and let your world open up. Thank you for listening. Cheers.